Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, yes, and this is the real Marina. You can tell because of the emotion. AI can't do this. <laughs> Help me welcome back to the show. It's all comedians, Onika McLean and Noye Brown-West. Onika McLean was born in North Carolina, raised in East New York, Brooklyn. She's a single mother of two legal professional and a sharp comedian whose no-nonsense perspective on life, love, single motherhood, and her midlife crisis is taking the comedy arena by storm. She was the fan favorite on Bravo's television's The Single Project. She's the winner of the Slosh Comedy Competition and the Rising Star Comedy Competition in London. Onika performs regularly in New York. You can see her at the stand almost every weekend. We talk about it on the show. You would just fall in love with Onika. She's just so sweet and she's so charming and she's so funny. So definitely, if you're in New York, make sure to check her out. Also, welcome back my young star, Noye Brown-West. She is a New York-based Nigerian-American comedian and writer. She has been featured in Boston Globe's Rise column as Comic to Watch, and we agree, as well as in NPR, PBS, ABC, Sway in the Morning, and the New York Comedy Festival. Noye made her acting debut in The Sympathy Card, now available for streaming on Vudu, Apple, Amazon, and Google Play. I am headlining October 5th in Pottstown, Pennsylvania at the Soul Joe's Comedy Club. If you're in Pennsylvania, get those tickets October 5th in Pennsylvania at the Soul Joe's Comedy Club. And on October 15th, I'm hosting a very important event. It's called the Silent Spring Institute's Annual Gala Celebration in Boston. We're talking about cancer prevention. So please, if you live in Boston, all you have to do is register. Go to my website, marinafranklin.com, to find out how to register. You can hear us on Google Podcasts now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. Make sure you turn on the auto-download function for Friends Like Us. For Apple Podcasts, you can email us at friendslikeuspodcast at gmail. Our Instagram is friendslikeuspodcast, and Twitter is friendslikeus10. Become more than a friend. Leave us a tip or donation by going to our Patreon page. Go to Patreon backslash friendslikeus. Special shout out to our Patreon friends. It's because of you we keep going. And now, for our golden friends on Patreon, you have the option to watch our recordings live. Go to Patreon backslash friends like us and be golden merch is available we have t-shirts hoodies coffee mugs face masks and tank tops they're all available just go to marinafranklin.com saturdays on my youtube channel i go live with my friend evelyn frick my wacky friend dave juskow we give updates to the show we shout out fans who leave reviews and we have surprise guest friends from the podcast stop by and sometimes we offer free stuff like tickets to comedy shows. With friends like us, it'll help you feel not so alone because more content is on the way. Tell a friend you know to check us out, stay safe, wash those dirty little hands, be nice, and black lives matter. I've got Noye Brown West. She's my young star. She's up and coming, and she will go far. We've got Onika Onika McLean, which I always spell the last name wrong, but we love her so much, and she is a shooting star. <laughs> yay, yay. Woo-hoo. Hi. <laughs> Hello, ladies. It's comics all today. I love it. I love it. It's the original premise of the show. I hate when I get too far away from my own premise, by the way. Mm. Same. They be trying to make me. They be like, do this with your show. No, I want some ladies of laughter. Now, I'll that start part. with you, Anika, because I saw you this weekend. Yeah, so I'm watching you work. I love watching you work. It's so it's so fun. Oh, you said that and it made me, because I was like, I was going through a lot with this strike, this writer's strike and everything. And I've just been feeling kind of like and I need wait, to. And then, and then you jumped on a bike. I did. Oh, did you bike home from your set? I get scared when you do that. No, no, I didn't bike oh. home. I was biking between spots, and Oniku saw me uh, while I heard tell it. <laughs> so Marina was at the show, and then she was gone. 
And then she went and did another show, and then she came back, and she was so sweaty. And I was like, where were you? you said, it, it was oh fine. Because it's just easier to get around the city on a bike. That's true. And I had my helmet. Oh, that's good. A lot of people use those city bikes, and they don't have a helmet on, and that scares me. Ooh, I, I saw do a girl it, getting on a city bike. She had no, her arms were out. She had a sexy top on, like, oh, girl. I have fallen on these city bikes, and me you, too. it's just like falling on a motorcycle. There's nothing protecting your skin from oh the God. concrete that you're going to slide on. Marina, I had the most embarrassing fall on a city bike where I was coming back from the subway in the middle of the night after a show, and it's just easier to city bike from the subway stop to my house because there's a city bike rack right there. Right. And right when I got to the city bike rack, I never adjusted the seat. I didn't waste my time. So it was really high up and I couldn't stop the bike. So I just like I threw the bike because I was about to crash in this like traffic. And a man came out of his apartment because he saw me fall. And he was like, are you OK? And I was so embarrassed. It was like 1 a.m. And I was just, and I broke the city bike too. I broke it, but I lied and said it was broken beforehand when I reported it. I was like, oh my God. Most was, of them are. Exactly. So I was like, it was already like that. It was crazy. Yeah. Going back and forth between spots on a city bike is, I, I will say this, Onika, it gave me the energy that I needed for the stage. And you are a great host and it's a testament because that audience was in a good place each time I went on. I would say, like, a lot of times when you do a show, a stand-up show, the host is, the, is driving that show. Like, the audience only trusts you as a performer if the host has given them that, like, signal, this is a good show. So, you did a great job, lady. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, it was a fun time. That was a good show. It was. How are you feeling, Onika? Like, because I see you at the stand, and I'm just wondering about what's going on with you comedy-wise. Where are you at? Where's your progression going? How are you feeling right now? I know the writer's strike, for me, it's been challenging. It's pushing me around in places that I didn't think I would be. So where are you? I feel like I, f I feel a little stagnant in my career. I feel like I don't have representation yet. I thought that it would go in a direction and I feel like it's going in another place. Like you said, I'm a great host. A lot of people try to book me to host like around the city. And I'm like, no, I want to do my spot so that I can work on this material. So it's just like, I feel like I just need to focus where I want it to go more. You know, you say the thing, like I want to do more acting. I want to do more writing, but every night I'm just on the stage. So I'm not really doing the thing that I need to do in order to get the result that I need to get. I feel like I need to can laser I, my focus. Can I just say, I'm going to give Anika praise for a second, but I'm also going to say something that happened to me in this last year that might be helpful to you. So we were talking about how professional you are and how much we love that and how you're always good vibes and everything. And so I'm just going to tell you, last year I had been doing comedy for about 10 years already, and I finally got representation last year for the first time. Uh, what I had to do to get to that point was I had to take a writing class and you do have to sacrifice that one night a week, take a writing class. I, my manager put me into acting classes, which I just finished. I'm gonna take a second round of them though, because I get like, you're right. We have to be so well-rounded now as comedians. Like we have to do it all. It's like, you can't just do stage for some reason anymore and get into a writer's room. Some people can, <laughs> but. I feel like I needed all the help I could get. But yeah, it's just speaking it into an existence too. I feel like saying the things I wanted in front of people who were further along than me, like Marina, mm -hmm. like, like Don Will, people, Zainab, people like that, like really helped me. Like I feel the reason I got representation is because I said to one of my friends, Emily, who had representation, yeah, I would really love representation. And she hooked me up. She got me her manager, her agent. Yeah. So it was really to just speak right. it to everyone. Say it in, saying it on this yeah, podcast that's what is it is. great. Because yeah. I feel like people just assume that I, being that I'm older, people assume I know things that I do not know. Like I've been, this is my seventh year doing comedy. And so people are like, of course you have a, and I'm like, I don't. No, I'd be like, I, but I don't. Like, well, how would I know? Yeah. Right. So and I have seven taken. Seven years still 
young in comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Very it's young. still young in comedy, and but I'm older. So you don't expect that. Like when, like the other day I was hosting and Big J Okerson was on the stage and he was like, Nika, because you've been doing this forever. And I was looking like, not real. Oh, he assumed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know what it is also, Anika? Like you were saying, and Noya was saying, like, speaking it into existence is so important. Like, the fact that I was even at the stand, you haven't been there in, like, what, a year or so? A little over a year? Mm-hmm. And I'm doing that to spread my wings because I, I got lazy. The strike right. has forced me in a direction that I needed, actually, because you know, I was just at one club all the time, and I would just sit there. And then go, and even though they have different rooms at that venue, I still was getting lazy. Like that fire that I needed under my ass has been put back, you know, (laughs) like I had to hustle. And I, and also I'm looking around and I'm seeing a lot of people still getting things and they're not of color, by the way. And it's upsetting to me. And it's put, that's another thing that's like kind of got my, me going. And I'm like, go back to the drawing board of what you did. And I even said it to my Irish friend. She goes, Marina, you've been saying this for some time that you just need some growth. You need some space where you can be you. And you just say it. And then all of a sudden you're doing it. And like you saw me running back and forth. That's what I used to do. I used to hustle. I used to do on the weekends. I used to do five, six shows a night. I used to do every single night except for Sunday. I stopped doing that because of the pandemic. I used to do Thursday, Friday, Saturday after the pandemic. That's not me. That's not how I get better. So I increased my stage time. I increased the places that I go where I can sort of open up that some wiggle room with my material and create. And that helps me. And I went back to how I, when I was in the grind, you know, you get lazy as you get older in this field and you get a little bit complacent as you get like more work. What's so funny is when I was at the stand, I, I know Anika's like my age is when she's in the green room talking about earth, wind, and fire. I saw you talking about earth, wind, and fire in the green room. I was like, God damn. I got to save Onika from these young They were like, what are you, who? Who are you talking about? But back to you, Noye. You were talking about the social media stars that show up in certain clubs and how they have arrogance and what are you seeing? You work at this. You don't just build your social media. You work at being a comedian. Yeah, my social media is very sad because I came from the time where you just proved everything on stage, right? And that's how you got bookings and people are so excited to see you because they knew that you were going to be a good show. Uh, so going way back to Vine even, I was friends with a Vine star when I lived in Boston who he would put bodies in the seat, which is what the club owners wanted but he was not good at, he just was not good at comedy. He would try and do his social media bits on stage. And that's what I'm still seeing today. And he actually got, he got some television heat too, where he was on a television show for comedians and he was just so bad at it because he didn't know, he didn't know joke structure. And that's what you see with some of these online comics. They don't know joke structure. They don't know how to get those consistent laughs without just doing like a character or a bit. And I'm not saying you can't get up on stage and do a character, but you better know how to tell a joke also. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a lot. It's different. But every time that I'm in a room with any kind of executives, they say the same thing. You really have to get your social media up. Like that, that's the, the conversation. And I'm saying, okay, thanks. Build it. And, and after you build it, we'll take it. But build it first. Yeah. Yeah, they are. I have a feeling this will swing backwards to where it's like, you got to be good at this. And on the back end, you have to also have that social media following. Because they're starting to see. Like, Noye, didn't you say your brother went to a show? You don't say Oh, club. yeah. Okay, yeah. My little brother. <laughs> my little brother is a comedy fan. Like, I was raised in a comedy fan family, right? And he lives here in New York with me. 
And he and his friends just wanted to go see a show because all the shows they go to are usually mine. So they just wanted to go see a different show too. And it was filled with social media famous comics. And they said it was like the worst show they've ever seen. And they were angry. They were mad at how bad it was. And then on the other tip, they said they went to a different club to see a comic who has been a comic for like years and years and years. And they noticed, and they had seen him before and they noticed a change in how he does comedy now. And he, they noticed that he's doing comedy like they see online now where it's like, he's not even really telling jokes. He's just talking to the crowd. And they said that was bad too. So they're seeing like a downturn in how, and in the quality of comedy that's out there right now. And they blame social media. I don't know. I wasn't at the shows they were at, but they blame social media. So. Blame the comedians too. Yeah. Well, the crowd yeah. work. The, Nika, are you seeing I'm that as seeing well? With the, even the seasoned comedians, they're not doing their bits anymore. A lot yeah. of them are doing crowd works because now what they're yeah. doing is they're doing comedy for clips. Anytime you go online, right, now people don't want to put their material online. They want to put the crowd work clips. But in order to perfect your material, you got to do it. Like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, do it. You got to do it with inflections. You have to do it exactly. in front of different crowds. So it's just, it's it's different. I, I hope that it does swing back. But because I feel like I'm, I have an old school mentality as it relates to comedy just because uh, when I started comedy, I started like, I took a class and I started like at the cellar. They had had a class. And then I wanted to make black people laugh. So then I went to the whole, let's go to all the hood where nobody wants to laugh and they boo you and throw chicken at you. And then I did that. I was like, I don't want to be here. This is not my real life. So why, why am I doing this through comedy? And then so I started going to the places that I wanted to be. And it's, it's just it's just everything is changing. The Internet is changing so much. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I would say that the crowd work. there are comedi- older comedians who they're all they're talking about is young comedians who are doing crowd work. So like Jim Norton mm-hmm. does it on his Instagram as a joke. He goes, I see this as a trend. So here we go. <laughs> Hey, so where are you from? <laughs> oh, that's good. Credits roll, please. And the credits roll, and then he shows his dates, and he barely does crowd work. And that is really what is going on. But I will say, like, the older you are, the more clips you have to put on. So that is the advantage of older comedians. They shouldn't feel like they can only do crowd work, because I have so many old clips that have never, mm-hmm. or old bits that have never been seen. So I just put all my older stuff on. I have so much material that's just never been seen. So I just put, or I'll just repeat stuff. But it is incredible that we're chasing fans instead of fans coming to us. It shouldn't be that way. It should be, we need to train the audience to know what good comedy is. And it's it's sadly not doing that right now. Right, so let's get to some of these articles that I have. First, I will talk. We were talking about the strike. Now, I didn't put this article in, but it's not. You don't need to have read it to know pretty much that the strike is affecting all of us. Like I just said, and I've said it before, the trickle down of what's happening is the writers who would normally be in the rooms are doing a lot of dates on the road, so they're taking dates away from us. Yep. Those who mm-hmm. are not like established like that. And so now we have to do more local work, right? Or we have to hustle more to get the dates. So it's rough out here. I mean, it's gotten real interesting. And I'm starting to see some fighting within. I see some fighting within our unions now. Yes. And I think that is on purpose. I think that's what the corporations would like to see. So we have Drew Barrymore, who is... Defends plan to resume talk show amid entertainment strikes. The Drew Barrymore TV show is a WDGA covered strike show that is planning to return without its writers. A tweet from their Twitter account reads, The Guild has and will continue to picket these shows that are in production during the strike. 
any writing on that show is in violation. Now, she claims, she says, we aren't in compliance with not discussing or promoting film and television that is of any kind. We launched live in a global pandemic. Our show was built for sensitive times and has only function through what the real world is going through in real time. I want to be there to provide what writers do so well, which is a way to bring us together or help us make sense of the human experience. What is she talking about? Now, the view... No. Yeah. Go ahead. So here's the thing, too. She's the one that was one of the first people to say, oh, I'm not doing this because of the strike. She's supposed to host the MTV Movie Awards. And she made a big you know, to-do about, I'm not going to host this because I'm in solidarity. And now she's returning to work without her writers. She hasn't even mentioned, like, okay, I get returning to work because you want to pay your staff. Are you going to pay the writers that you're returning without? Like, she hasn't even mentioned anything like that. So she's just scabbing. She's crossing the picket line. She's forcing her workers and whoever's going to be guests on her show to cross the picket line. And that's just not what both of these unions need right now. SAG and WGA need to work together. Um, Yeah, I think that she is crossing the picket line. Like, you just got to stop. Just stop. If It's not improv. So what what are they going to talk about? She has to formulate questions for her guests. Who's going to write those questions? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, the view is also, I think, a problem as well. Would you agree? Like, I watch the view still. I think when you take things off of television, you start to make an, an impact. And I know that they're yes. considered news source. Like, the view is considered not acting it's not considered like but they have writers so it's weird to see them every week talk about we we are with our writers but yet they continue to do a show and yet their whole thing is about the view and they're supposed to be on the right side of things but this is not good i didn't even know the view continued i like the only thing i watch like that is the price is right and they haven't continued I'm one of those weird people that watches The Price is Right on streaming. And and they stopped. They actually only came back. Bob Barker died. They did a special and that was it. And then they did like one just to commemorate him. But that that was it. But I didn't know The View was still. Oh, no. And we know comics that write for The View and do warm up for The View. I didn't oh, know yeah. they kept going. Oh, no. Yeah, they kept going. And. It's because it, it's considered like a news source, like news, like CNN or whatever. But yeah. I will say, like, the, the intra fighting is a problem that's happening amongst us. Yes. We're not on the same page. And no. this strike is hurting people bad. It's gotten really interesting lately. Can I ask you too? Because you've been you've been in the business for longer than we have. You you saw the two thousand eight was it two thousand eight that didn't, strike? Well, I didn't pay it to it because I wasn't in. Anything, <laughs> so I was like, I was acting like whatever. Uh, I don't even remember. <laughs> I to be honest, I was like, what? Yeah, that's when there was a strike before. I was just mad because girlfriends went off the air with like, <laughs> right? Girlfriends is the only thing I remember being hurt by the strike much reality tv from that's what i came from yes that's that's what i was like i think i was on last comic standing during that strike Mm -hmm. that's possibly what last comic standing was born out of too if i'm correct oh my god i was part of that and i do think about that and i go whoa oh yeah but it has gotten very interesting right now. I see people are starting, they, they starting to crumble. Crumble in so, what respect? Insurance. You know, your insurance, my insurance is ending at the end of this month. And I have to find ways of other insurance because you're not getting those hours in. You want to be a domestic so partner all, with me? I got insurance. A what? You want to be, be a domestic partner domestic with me? Partner. I got insurance. You, are you proposing? I mean, no. We could just be domestic partners. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Thank you, Onika. I feel like a lot of people should do that for their friends and stuff. Like, if you already have a job and you can do domestic partnership, I mean, anyway, what's what's the difference? 
There's ways around it. I feel like it got to be ways around it because the other pieces, these corporations and stuff, they know exactly what to do. They know that you have to pay your bills eventually. Like if you think about it, if you were a corporate exec head and you, you would say to yourself, well, how long will they last? How long could they last? And it's a maybe a year. But after that, everybody go start like being prostitutes or something. You got to make some kind of money. Yeah. Unless we work together. Unless you work together. Because I don't understand why more people don't do that, like domestic partnership. Because even when you're, when you're, parents get older and stuff, you can put them on your insurances and stuff like that. So also the free demic insurance in New York is still out there. That's what I'm still on. I got off of my husband's insurance like right before the pandemic um, started and I was going to get on different insurance and the pandemic started and they have this like free New York insurance. It's like, it's pretty good. Like I have a good primary care physician and I think that's the key because like she actually cares about my health. But Marina, but Marina has yeah, an underlying issue so she has to make sure that her insurance. Yeah. Well, I me have too. something. I, I do too. have something yeah. that'll take care of me. I don't want to say it here, but I have something. Um, that's there that I didn't know was there when I checked on the health thing. That's good. <laughs> but I saw Sarah Silverman post about a friend of hers who is in, like, he's in treatment. It looked like he was in treatment, and she's asking for donations because his insurance is about to end because he's not working. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really happening, and I'm glad she posted that to show that these are not all like very wealthy celebrities who are struggling during this. These are actually real individuals who, like you, like you were saying, they have pre-existing conditions or conditions that need that care that is ending. I've talked to all my doctors. They see the writers and the actors coming in to get all their care before their insurance ends. So, But they do say that I think it's like somewhere around... 70 to 78 percent of the public does actually understand what we're doing so that was a good statistic i thought that was pretty good i don't know what the other 30 percent think we're doing i think that they just see i do think that they just see celebrities and just assume but it's celebrities and basketball players and uh, sports figures and stuff there there's a gamut there are people that's making the top dollar and then there's people that's making a working wage and that's how they get in yeah, it's weird. Now I'm going to move to this other article about this. Will be out of the news cycle by next week, but I think it's a constant problem of the Delta flight forced to turn around because of diarrhea incident. So these flights, I don't know what's. Did you guys see that? Yes, it was like the video was wild because like it literally was. When, the way they worded the headline, I didn't understand. They're like, someone diarrhea throughout the plane. But when you see the video, it literally was throughout the plane. And luckily, it was an international flight. So there were two aisles. So people could just like jump and get to the clean aisle to get out. But it was crazy. Someone was saying they must have had COVID because that's what, what diarrhea? Yeah, like really bad diarrhea. Like Explosive that. diarrhea. But how possible? <laughs> Yes. Were they exploding? Right. That's what it seems like. Explosive. So what were they like? They weren't in the bathroom. They just crapped on themselves in the seat. And then on the, there. so they show it. You can see like wee wee pads on the floor <laughs> all the way. So it's on the actual floor, like of the plane, you know, the walking path. You see the wee wee pads down? all the way through. Did it just we slide don't know. down? It's like, it looks like they were running to the bathroom. That's what it looked like. It looked like they were up front, like, and they were running to the bathroom, and it was just kind of. But why out. turn around? Why not just find a close place? To- well, this is what they did. The Delta Barcelona on Friday night was forced to turn around and return two hours after the departure because a passenger had diarrhea all the way through the plane. So the pilot said to air traffic control, it's just biohazard issue. We had a passenger who had diarrhea, so they want us to come back to Atlanta. The incident caused the flight to be delayed just over eight hours, but it landed in Barcelona without further incident on Saturday. So I guess that's just regulations is that because it's a biohazard issue, they have to go back. Oh, they have to go Because you're going international, wow. right? Because I was like, like, if they were two hours out, like we were there in Jamaica, like just land the damn plane. <laughs> going back just didn't make sense to me. 
Because it's international. Mm-hmm. They're going to Barcelona. No, I understand. But what I'm saying is yeah. they were already flying for two hours. Why wouldn't they just land someplace close? They had to fly another two hours back. Didn't you see that? What was it with um, Idris Alba? Alba? Like, you can't just like, can't just land where you want. Oh, that's you true. You can't. It's regulations. Yeah. Because they have so many planes coming into all yeah, those airports already. You have already. to get approval to land. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They, they were talking to the air traffic controller. The, they, they didn't get approval. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> they could have. They should have just said to the air traffic controller, yeah. like, this shit stays. Right. Cause they got to clean that up. Like, and trust me Ooh. when those little signed up for that job, they never thought. Speaking of strikes, American <laughs> airline stewardesses are threatening to go on strike. That is exactly right. And this is not the first incident. This is actually, they've had body fluids affecting passenger flights on an air Canada flight last week. Two passengers were told to sit in adequately clean seats that have been covered in vomit on a previous flight. Mm -hmm. And the passengers and crew argued back and forth for several minutes before a supervisor came over and reiterated that the passengers would have to stay in the vomit-covered seats as the flight was full. Benson goes on to relate how a pilot then came down the plane to speak to the passengers, telling them that they could leave the plane and organize flights on their own dime. Oh my or they would be escorted off the plane by security and placed on a no-fly list. Oh, now the explanation. That's that's yeah. yeah, hopefully. You know what's happening though. This is a bigger problem that we're seeing with FDA. Like, we don't have any rights as passengers. We're always stuck on the tarmac no. for. Well, remember that one plane that was stuck on the tarmac and people were like dehydrated because it was hot. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. they, where are our rights? Yeah. No, I think it's booted. Booted. Yeah, isn't he? Where, where, yeah, where is he? Transpiration or transportation? Yeah, what's he doing? Because he usually speaks up. Yeah. I didn't heard him speaking about this guy who pooped on the plane. You know what's so crazy? Just, he always gets a job, though. Pete Buttigieg. He always gets a job. Like, yes. He was trying to be president, right? Like, how, okay, I can't. Explanation from the pilot and the stewardesses was like they were rude, and the customers who were sitting, the neighbors who were sitting next to them said they were certainly not. They were upset and firm, but not rude. Even though fellow passengers tried to explain the situation, the pair were then escorted from the plane. I, this, me as a letter writer, <laughs> this, this makes exactly. me so exactly. angry. Yeah. Because I'm just like, I could see myself being in this situation and being like, wait, where's the justice here? I mean, that's ridiculous. So do we know um, the ethnicity? The ethnicity? Mm-mm. No, I don't know. But it was one of those situations where the whole plane mm-hmm. was upset for them, too. So I think, yeah, I think it was one of those times where all of us came like, together. Not 11. <laughs> Speaking of 9-11, we're recording on 9-11. Do you remember? Were you here? I know, Anika, you were here. Can you speak to that? Oh, yeah. That was, uh, yeah, that was a crazy day. I was on my way to Manhattan to go to court. So I was on the Manhattan Bridge, like on one of those subways coming into the city. And you saw that the uh, first tower was like on fire and I was like that's crazy that's this is so weird and then you saw another plane just coming to it I saw it happen and I was like this is a this is on purpose and then it just became surreal after that like we got off the plane I mean we got off the train and you couldn't go anywhere you just had to walk people were like crying and the cell phones weren't working and it just felt like a Hollywood production and it was just like, what do you do? Because, like, what do you do? That that was the that was crazy. And my children were younger; they were back home. And so now, how do I get back to Brooklyn? And do I go to work? What do I do? Just being so conditioned, I was like, well, maybe I need to continue trying to get to the court so that I can do the thing. It was a mess. It was so crazy. It changed us. 
as a society, but to what you said earlier, we all band together in those moments, the weeks after, the searches, the missing people, the everyone having flyers everywhere. And that was for, for weeks after. And we just kept supporting one another. That, you know, that's what I love about yes. New York. Like, it, we are always a target, financial target. We always band together. And I feel like New York's a tough. And they're always like, are you really from New York? I feel like that's what that's about because it's kind of like we've struggled in this place together. Like, what do you mean, Kansas City? You know that. It was a lot. And I, I have to say, I always say this about 9 11 because I was here and my sister, her birthday is tomorrow. And it's hard having your birthday on, you know, the day after 9-11 or on 9-11. But I was, she asked me this question. She goes, how come you didn't call us? We were trying to call you. And I said, we couldn't. The phones weren't working. And she goes, well, why wasn't the phones working? I said, because the phone towers all was on the building. And that went down. She goes, oh. I go, yeah. So a lot of this is changed as to where they even phone towers you know just not in one spot I go but I couldn't call you the other thing that I remember for me was that I was going to work and I was tired I was younger and I was just thinking you got to get to work no matter what that was the mentality back then work 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 and I even remember thinking as I before 9-11 I said this can't continue at this pace, this way of working, the way that they have people working was just, it was getting to a level of greed, right? Even in the office, I worked at a consulting firm and I remember worried about not, about getting fired for not going to work while buildings were going down. And I called from a payphone because my phone wasn't working. And I remember the, woman at the office said, Marina, they haven't said to not come in, but I'm telling you, go home. Yeah, This is ridiculous that they haven't said anything. Now, I remember in the news cycle, they were saying the reason that some of the people died was because they said, keep working in those buildings. They said, go back to work instead of leaving. And that was sort of the mentality then was this like, we're talking about strikes and protecting employees. That started right then, where what are we doing with our workers where they have a voice, where they have a right to take a break, where they have a right to take Fridays off? I mean, let's look at today where after a pandemic, most workers don't even want to go back into the workplace for, was it five days? Yeah, they're not letting... And these corporations... They can't convince you to do that when they take off Friday to Monday. Exactly. And so I I was in high school outside of Boston, and Mm -hmm. that's where the planes came from. And I remember when the second plane hit, we were already watching the television. My science teacher, she had friends that worked in the building. People weren't even sure which planes were there, like... We were going to find out in the coming weeks that people had parents on the planes or whatever. But she was hysterically crying and she had to work that entire day right, knowing that nobody, her friends were in that building. Because nobody could pick and up the kids, crying. right? Like, no, like no one could pick up her class. Yeah. So she was just stuck and she was hiding. I remember she didn't want to watch TV anymore, but the kids were like screaming at her to keep the TV on. She had to go into like a closet. And just, she was like breaking down crying. It was like, but you're right. It's they made people work the rest of the day. We had school the rest of the day. What do you you guys remember? They didn't know how many planes there were. Remember there was another plane circling outside of DC. So that whole day was very, very scary. Like, like people don't remember that part. They were like, well, they're going to hit the Pentagon. Then they, but remember was so much going on. It's, hmm. My sister was at GW University, George Washington University in DC, and there were car bombs. Mm-hmm. People don't even talk about the car bombs. Right outside of her dorm, there were car bombs. And that day that it was on the news briefly, but now when like people talk about the day, it's like they only talk about the Twin Towers, 
A lot of people don't talk about the Pentagon. People don't talk about the downplane in Pennsylvania. People don't talk about the car bombs. It's like they forget that it was like a full-on attack on the East Coast, East Coast cities, Boston, New York, D.C., like it, Philly. Like it was a full-on when attack. When we talk about insurance, yeah. a lot of the firefighters and a lot of the, the people that I'm you, you hear that that lived, survived that day but still died. That's the yes, part, cancer, right? The Congress did not take care of those individuals who were our first responders. Mm-hmm. You see, um, John Stewart constantly having to beg for health care for these individuals. And that is something on this day, I would say, like, Democrats, get your messaging together. Because if you want to strike the hearts of Americans, remind them that Republicans are constantly trying to repeal Obamacare, this health care system that is helping individuals. They want to take all that away from mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. So get your... It's like, I'm always like, you got these really strong points that you're not using right now. And but crazy um, about that, we have the 911 memorial. And there's still individuals that are suffering that are not being able to be cared for. I have a couple friends that were police officers during that time, and they have health issues to this day because of it. And it's that it's crazy, like a whole museum. So you you dumped all that money into remembering, but not the people that that survived it. It's, it's, I watched this movie last night, all, all day, really. It was like a Netflix uh, series, and it was called Painkillers. And it was just, oh, I loved it. It, yeah. it was just a... Even though we're not supposed to promote shows, don't watch sorry, it. Sorry, don't watch it. Oh, yeah. but, <laughs> don't watch it. But it was just about greed. And greed with no reper- repercussions once you like wrong people. It's the craziest thing. It's like, how do you put anybody in jail for anything? when you allow these mega wealthy corporations to just kind of like see that Giuliani was the one who let that go. Giuliani. Giuliani was the one who let that uh, pharmaceutical company get away with what they got away with, with all those people dying. Giuliani, who is, was our mayor during nine 11, who was upheld during nine 11. But let's remember like he was never a good guy. He wasn't. The only that, reason why he got a, I don't know, reputation was after 9-11 because they were like, yes, he was so strong. And then the president came and all that stuff. But we hated Giuliani. He was the war on drugs, the crime. The, he was just horrible. And then that happened. And then he was our hero, which is so crazy to me. Well, the war on crime considered to a lot of New Yorkers who are white, they think he did a great job. They think he cleaned up. This is what they always say. Oh, Giuliani cleaned up Times Square. He did a great thing. I was on my live and the guy was on there was talking about, he's like, Giuliani did a great thing for New York. He cleaned it up. I go, yeah, but you don't know what he did to the black individuals in, in New York City and Italian mobs. No, I don't really give a shit about Italian moms, by the way, but they hate Giuliani. <laughs> they, so, like, all of this right now, they're seeing it, like, come full circle. But I just, it's interesting that for a while, because of 9-11, we were like, oh, he's our mayor. He's New York's mayor. But when you watch that documentary and when you really understand, like, who was in charge of letting go, letting the pharmaceutical initially get away with it now they can't if you look if you google the company you'll see that they are still being held accountable like the movie doesn't go as far as showing that but he's just never been a good guy ever 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 Um, i want to move on to the fact some football fans hit trump with a harsh finger (laughs) salute yeah one finger salute during (laughs) iowa versus iowa state game Trump and several other GOP presidential candidates were met with boos they attended, and several college football fans flipped the bird to the former president, Donald Trump, as he waved to a crowd from a private suite. Now, social media users on the app, formerly known as Twitter, later pointed to an altered video shared by pro-Trump account that appeared to remove the boos from the video. (laughs) 
Of course. They love propaganda. Well, That's one thing they're Republicans the anyway. <laughs> I feel like he's so delusional. He only heard cheers. That's how he kind of like acted. He was still like doing the president. I'm so proud of Iowa too. And they decide they're one of the first people that decides like how caucus, things are going to yeah. be voted, right? So it's like the caucus, Iowa caucus. So we already have our Iowa caucus for the Republican Party mm-hmm. and it's fingers to Trump. They said, the they said DeSantis was there too. Although, though. And he got... Yes, he got, and... They said they oh, booed him too. Him also. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Good. We don't need either of them. Yeah. <laughs> Not like the Republicans have anyone good for the candidacy, candidacy but... Now, Trump continues to maintain his spot as the GLP frontrunner, leading DeSantis by more than 39 percentage points in an average of national polls of the GOP primary. Now, Chris, this is a separate article, but it happened on Friday. Chris, Governor or former Governor Chris Christie ripped. He ripped fellow GOP presidential candidate Donald Trump over his interest in debating. Get this. Do you want to know who he wants to debate? Oh God, I'll give you guys let you guess. Oh, wait, who, who do you wait, think? You're saying, Chris, you're saying Chris Christie wants to debate or? No, Donald Trump. So Chris Christie ripped Donald Trump over his interest in debating this person. So not yeah, a politician. He said he didn't I'm want guessing. to debate. He said. Was it Mark Zuckerberg? Something ridiculous like that? No. No. Anika? Who does he want to debate? Oh, that's Think of the ridiculous. most ridiculous person. I'll give Who you a hint. It's a she, and she's biracial. Beyonce? Oh, <laughs> is it Kamala? Kamala? <laughs> oh, yeah, Beyonce's yeah, not no. even biracial. Mm-hmm. I don't even know why I said she is light-skinned. Okay, I'll end this debate. <laughs> another, another name? Biracial. Um, biracial? No. Okay, I'll make it even easier. Royal. Yes. Oh, Meghan Markle. You Meghan Markle. Yes, he wanted to debate the Duchess of Sussex. Why? Of all the... He, he says there's absolutely... Uh, he says so many ridiculous things, but he says that the former president had entertained the idea of a Markle debate in a Wednesday discussion with conservative radio host Hugh Hewitt, who claimed the viewership for the, such an event could go viral an estimated 90 million would watch like the 90, 1973 battle of the sexes tennis match between Billie Jean <laughs> King and Bobby Riggs well first of all, you never why the, the piece is <laughs> what it is what it is like like racist people hate her guts like they they love the royal yeah, family and I don't know why we're not we left like the Boston Tea Party we're not them like stop but they hate her guts and so I guess what our world has become though this is how we talked about yeah. comedy at the top of the show and if anything shows us what's going viral has done it's not all bad, but it, there's a lot of bad that does come from it, like our former president. And you see what he's doing. Yeah. He just knows how to get ratings. And he is not wrong. If he was to bait Meghan Markle, that would be a rating. <laughs> that would be crazy. That's almost like when... Um, who would he debate for? That's why Governor Chris, or ex-Governor Chris... Chris, I always call him Krispy Kreme, but <laughs> he does not look like his head looks like a donut a little bit. But he like, was down with him, anyway. but actually, no, no, yeah, he was down yeah, with no, Donald Trump, though. He was down not with him anymore. Oh, come on, Chris, yeah, he Shut was, up. he was, yeah. He's been the most outspoken, though, as of lately. He's been on a full tour. He's the only, he's one, and the, the woman, I forget her name, they really. The I think he genuinely hates the guy too. I do yeah. see it. He hated him before the um, campaign, but then Trump like, and he had a deal with Trump during the campaign, and then I don't know what happened afterwards to get him back to hating Trump. But I don't so know. this is what he said. He said Donald Trump wants to debate Meghan Markle. Donald Trump wants to debate Meghan Markle, but not his opponents. What a joke! I'm sure they'd have a great debate on Spotify. Keep me on the stage for when the coward finally shows up to debate me. Anyway. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's either. trying to get... Aren't they both going to be in jail? Who? Both Chrissy? 
Yeah, because he got arrested too. Like, aren't these like what is happening? You can just get arrested and then run for president, but you can't vote in a yeah. presidency. It's like if you have <laughs> Yeah. So felons, just so you know, you can run for president, but you can't vote. So just run for president. But I then guess. you can't vote for yourself. Know. Wild. So that doesn't make sense. Because they always yeah. vote for themselves. So if Donald Trump gets into office, oh, right? If Donald Trump gets into office, will he be convicted of anything? He'll be the first president that's not able to vote for himself. So you know how they have that whole picture where they go, they go be able to. Yeah, he'll be sitting somewhere having a rally, or maybe he'll be talking about Meghan Markle on a on a Ugh, on so an Instagram live. He has gasped because that's what, he. Is he on Instagram? I know who is so. Because Mark Zuckerberg doesn't like him. His, so Donald, sure the, Donald, John, John, uh, Donald Jr. is on Instagram. And I follow him just to see the ridiculousness. Like, it's it's crazy. The stuff that he says about Joe Biden is crazy. Sometimes you got to just listen to what they're saying. And you're like, damn, America. Is- How do you guys feel when you see comics talk about Joe Biden? I don't see it much. I see like Hunter Biden jokes sometimes, but I don't ever like, I don't see much oh, I see Joe so Biden joking. I think that you're you supposed do? to still though. Yeah. I talk about Joe Biden a little bit. It's, it's, I say that he's, he died two years ago, actually. And it's, and it's a chat GPT <laughs> going on. Uh, they should just give Kamala the job. But I, but I do feel that they should just give Kamala the job. I think that he's, I, I think that, they should have given, I feel like they still should give her a bigger play. I feel like they're kind of stifling her. Yeah. And so I feel like you got to talk about it. You got to at least mention it. Yeah, I agree with that. At least mention it. But I do say, I think the ageism jokes are not helping. Yeah. I, this is this is just my opinion, no. right? I don't, I wouldn't tell a comic how to write their jokes, obviously. But I do think that the ageism jokes, what is unnerving to me is when I see Republicans in the audience, they love it because it feeds their base because that is what they stand on. That is their one argument that works really well across the board is that he's too old. And I say the alternative is extremely dangerous to, if we have Trump in office, we, this democracy is over. And so when I see ageism jokes about Biden, I know they're funny. I know him falling off a bicycle and all that. But I watch the audiences, and the only joke that I love right now about Biden that's like kind of about his age is the one that Roy Wood Jr. did. And, some, and they tried to steal it. Um, the Republicans tried to steal it while they were talking about, while they were talking about Mitch McConnell. Is, or, am I saying it right? Is he the one who's been free? Yeah. Yeah, they yeah, tried to steal okay. this joke that Roy did, which Roy talks he, when he did the the press. The, the, uh, the correspondence. Thank you, the correspondence, oh, correspondence dinner. dinner. And Roy was like, yeah, but when he wakes up, he gets stuff done. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that is a great joke because it still gives him the, it still makes him a, a better president than the one we have that wants to come in as a convict. And so yeah. for me, I'm just like, oh my God. Comedians do have so much power. And what we yes, say, and I get it because I've been, I've done this before where I did a joke one time about the N-word in a wrong, in Arizona. And I remember my former boss was in the audience and she's very like liberal. And she was like, Marina, I just don't like the way the people were laughing around me. If they're not laughing, they're, they love that you say it. And I was like, I was fighting her because it's my right to do a joke. But she's right. And sometimes mm-hmm. you have to like actually take a step back. Bill Burr actually gave me that advice one time when I was open for Jim Norton. And I love Jim Norton as a friend. But when I would open for him, there were certain jokes that I would do that I would notice. They would be like, yeah. So in a sense, I was pandering. And he said, like, if you feel that, if you feel that, that's what it is. And he said, mm-hmm. I would feel that sometimes when I was on Opie and Anthony. And I just stopped. I had to slowly pull myself away. Because 
know, you as comics, we want gratification. We want that laugh so bad, but and we joke. But then at the bigger picture is what are we, what are we doing at such a crucial time? That's what, that's exactly. just in my and, opinion. And, and, at what cost, right? At what cost? At what cost? Mm-hmm. Recently, I have a joke where I say that, like, I'll either say it like straight out, or I'll say N word because just based on who's in the audience, and it's like the reason I started doing that is because that was. When I was a younger, like even younger comic, like maybe like four years, five years in, someone said to me in the audience, they're like, oh, yeah, like people like love that joke. Like they repeat it. And I was like, the, even the white people are repeating that joke. And I was like, OK, from now on, <laughs> sometimes I'm not even going to do it if the crowd's too white. But it's like if if I feel that I'm just like going to say N word instead of whatever. And I'm going to make a point to say, like, there are white It's just about sort of fixing the joke <laughs> so that you're clear. Yeah. It just makes the joke better sometimes. Sometimes you do, you, you straddle that line between, you know, being funny and where is this going? And it just makes the joke better. Just like Roy Wood's joke is so perfect in that it has a full circle of, oh, yeah, that's right. But he does do a good job still. We can end on this. Coco Guff, I think, is great story. Tops Ari Ari is her name Arena Sablinka is it Sabalinka to win I don't I, don't I gotta be honest I don't watch the US Open but I think it's so important do you watch do you guys watch Sabalinka I love tennis I grew up taking lessons and stuff I was never very good <laughs> but I'll, I'll watch like highlights I wanted to go in person this year but the tickets were like outside of I what I could free. afford it's not at free? this time so there yeah. are there are some free tickets but if you went to events before um so you go watch warm up matches for free but that was it yeah yeah Onika I've been, I've been a couple times I I like to watch it in person I don't really like to watch it on television I don't but I I was able to see was it last year or maybe the year before I was able to see Serena like, and that was oh. amazing. I was like, wow. Yeah. She's like built like a stallion. Like, wow. It, it was amazing. So, well, Coco Goff won her sleep. first mate. Yes. Well, Coco Goff, is it, am I saying it right? Yeah, Goff go. won I her first right. major title on Saturday at the U.S. Open with a 2-6, to 6-3, to 6-2 victory over Arena Sabalenka. Goff was the tournament's number six seed. Is that what they call it? Yeah. Okay. Seed, I, it's yeah. so weird to me. Why do they call it a seed? <laughs> I don't know. But, I don't know why. But, <laughs> but went on to win against <laughs> Arena, who has 27 of the previous 28 U.S. Open women's finals. And the event was packed with celebrities and all that. But golf is the, she is, this is important. She is the youngest American to win the U.S. Open since Serena Williams in 1999 and the first American player to win a major title since Sophia Kennan at the Australia Open in 2020. I mean, they're the reason. And she says this. She gives tribute to Serena and Venus Williams. She says, I mean, they're the reasons why I have this trophy today. To be honest, they have allowed me to believe in this dream. Growing up, there weren't too many black tennis players dominating the sport. It was literally, it was literally at that time when I was younger, it was just them that I can remember. And she says this also, this is important. This is why kind of full circle to what we've been talking about. She said, a month ago, I won a 500 title, and people said I would stop at that. Two weeks ago, I won a 1,000 title, and people were saying that was the biggest it was going to get. So three weeks later, I'm here with this trophy right now. I've tried my best to carry this with grace, and I've been doing my best. So honestly, to those who thought they were putting water on my fire, you were really adding gas to it. And now I'm really burning so bright right now. Ugh, so good. And you could tell it was her year, too. As a tennis fan, like, I I could tell that it was her year. But it's like you have all these haters that don't want to see, you know, a certain demographic succeed. 
yeah, it was really nice to see it. It's a shame that it's still the same thing. That we still have to, there's still the first black, the first black, the first, like, I just, like, when, when do we just get over this? We are here. We're not going anywhere. When do we just come together as a society so we really experience each other the way we supposed to really experience each other without this cloud? Well, until racism stops being a powerful tool for politics and all sorts of other things and uh, colonization, which is still going on globally, imperialism, then it's just not going to go away, unfortunately. And, I think, yeah. and us as Black women, we're going to feel it the most. And so we should celebrate <laughs> yeah, damn, it. We should recognize it, it. But there's aliens, though. No, I feel like we should recognize it. And I want us to recognize it. But I feel like I don't understand why it's always that we have to fight so many adversities in order to get the thing that we try. Like, why is it harder? Like, why should it be harder for me? That doesn't even make sense. There are a lot of people working very hard to keep it harder for us, unfortunately. It's because so, of fear, Anika. Fear. They understand, they, I mean, white people, they clearly understand that they are becoming the minority. Now, we have this migrant situation in New York City and Chicago and in the United States. And that's one of the articles mm-hmm. we're not going to get to today. But when we say their numbers are dwindling, as far as being a majority, it's really happening. So that's fear. Mm-hmm. Fear being stoked also by greedy people, like we were talking about earlier. So as long as we have greedy people, right? Because... Another documentary that I won't mention the name because I don't want to promote anything. Another documentary will show you that they use the fear that lower class white people have. It's just that old thing. You could pickpock you know, lower class white people all day if you convince them that they're better than black people. You mm-hmm. can see that they even use that divisiveness during the 2020 and Black Lives Matter to steal money from white individuals who are who have been brainwashed to think that this America is only for them. They call them the fraternal um, police, whatever. We're calling we're criminals. We're calling. They were using criminals. They were using convicts to call these illusioned individuals to donate money to the police and to and then they use the tool oh don't you hate black lives matter and they were robbing these people blind that is why this is still going on and it will continue until we get rid of greed in america which is going to take a long ass time so i want to say to both of you thank you very much for being on friends like us anika can you tell our listeners where they can find you you can find me on social media under Anika Comedy on most uh, streaming uh, platforms and also on most social media uh, apps. Friends like us, you always find a place to feel at home. Thank you so much. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me at noyecomedy.com, N-O-N-Y-E, comedy.com. You can find me at New York Comedy Club, Westside Comedy Club, QED, and on the road. Now, sometimes I get to feature for Zainab. You see me then. And with a with friends like us, you can. Oh wait, hold on. Let me start. That. <laughs> with friends like us, we will always be cheering you on. Yes. Yay! Thank you, Marina Franklin. Here, just go to my website, marinafranklin.com. And with friends like us, we will be the fuel, the gasoline, the match to light under you to create that fire you need to keep going because ain't nothing gonna hold us back because we have the grace the skill the intelligence and the power and the beauty to do it thank you both check Check us us out. out